Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa. We are now firmly in the pre-summer period. When I think of summer, I think of going to the beach, hot dogs, and suntans. Also, I also think of one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Not a big fan of the beach. There's an old Louis Anderson joke about how when you lie down, people swarm you and try to push you back into the surf. Get water in his gills. Get water in his gills. He's dying. Get him back in the water. You know, not as much fun for me. As a computer programmer, I instinctively avoid the sun mm -hmm. and all things outdoors. Mm -hmm. So it's not really my thing either. But it's fine. It's, it's good to get out into the sunlight, I guess. So that's as much as enthusiasm for summer as I can imagine. Let's move on to something that I enjoy talking about, mm -hmm. Jim. And that's new hotels at Disney World. So... Disney has filed initial construction permits, whether it be water district plans or initial boring permits for two interesting projects. One of them is this thing called Project 89 over at Fort Wilderness. What's, what's your take on this, Jim? We have seen the plan for the Fort Wilderness DVC for a number of years now. There's actually a video that shows the time lapse of the proposed construction. So this isn't a secret. It's on the internet. No, right? no, that's it exactly. So the, the fact that once again, this is bubbling up. Isn't all that surprising, given that what? For, from the moment they run an earth mover in there, it's what? At least 18 months to two years before they can get a guest into this thing. Oh, easy. Two or three. Yeah. So I think if they started now, they're really looking at getting something done by the 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're looking for here is they want to be able to accommodate as many guests as possible. They're looking to set attendance records. They're looking to set revenue records for the 50th anniversary, and they need more people to stay on site. I think that's what the play is here. And I get that, but I have this thing called a memory. I remember what happened post 9-11, where suddenly Disney had all of this inventory they couldn't fill. It concerns me to see this sort of aggressive building program with when you think about, I mean, how many hotel rooms are already on property, Lynn? 30,000, oh. but that's actually a small, a small percentage of the number of hotel rooms in Orlando, which is several hundred thousand. I know, but what's the old cliche that you don't build your church for Easter Sunday? I mean, I get for the 50th anniversary, the entire world is going to want to come back to Orlando, but what do you do in 2022? Disney can't go wrong with the DVC. And that's, right. again, with the Fort Wilderness, that's my understanding. I keep running into people at the resort who are talking about, for example, the convention center at the Contemporary and how that it's really too small. Oh, yeah. it's The Contemporary itself is a lovely building. Mm -hmm. The convention space looks like it was built 40 years ago. Between what people expect with a convention these days and the amenities yeah. and the fact that it's a miserable place to park and get in and out of. Yeah. It's a single lane road to get there. If you're going to the Contemporary, you go under that water bridge, mm -hmm. you're not going to fit 10,000 guests from offsite there. It's just not large enough. If you look at like what the Rosen is doing mm -hmm. for conventions, that's a modern convention facility. The, the contemporary isn't that big, and I don't think it plays to the same kinds of conventions. It could never host anything that big. But to your point, if they wanted to expand their convention business, they would need to also expand the contemporary space. One of the interesting two steps that's about to happen with, you know, for example, the tower that's being built at the Coronado and with all of the amenities that are being 
put in there with the notion of, you know, this now becomes the ideal convention facility because all your executives can stay in the state-of-the-art tower building, which is centrally located for the actual convention space. And then you have these more affordable units around where your employees that you're flying in for this event can stay at. So what they seem to be looking at is the notion of if that then becomes their Disney Properties default convention facility with with the notion that you can then, if you have additional functions, you can ship people over to the Dolphin and the Swan, which has giant convention space. That then mm-hmm. leaves the contemporary convention could, you know, and in fact, evidently, this is the idea that they're kind of kicking around, Bay Lake Tower 2. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense than remodeling mm-hmm. the convention center. In terms of revenue per square foot, mm-hmm. they would get far more out of a DVC space on that prime piece of real estate than they ever would from convention space. And I think the convention space is mostly unoccupied most of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So with the clock ticking for 2021, and my understanding is that they have to look at the calendar and how far out in advance they have booked this convention space, whether it's for weddings or or that sort of thing. I guess when it comes right down to it, it's like, these are hotel rooms. If a second Bay Lake Tower existed, they could fill that 365 days a year. Because again, it's right next to the Magic Kingdom, the most popular park. Oh yeah, it's it, again, fantastic location. They're not making any more real estate that close to the Magic Kingdom. No, between the commitments, they won't be able to do this in time. Yeah, there's no way that they would be able to start now and have it done for 2021. It's just not an option. And, and part of the reason for that is it's it's on an existing piece of land that have to demo no. the existing facilities that have to worry about disrupting the flow and the vacations of guests who are staying in the contemporary main building. There's just a lot to happen. Well, I mean, and just think about the fact that there is so little parking at the contemporary now and how much of that parking lot would you have to first eat up for demo and then construction? Then you'd have dump trucks hauling debris back and forth. And again, it's a two lane road. I mean, they could go out to the contemporary and make a right and go backstage Mm -hmm. But that adds time because it's a longer trip to dump the stuff. But Jim, let's go back real quick to the proposal for this DVC resort at Fort Wilderness. The stuff that I've seen mm-hmm. from the air looks like a four or five story Wilderness Lodge-esque sort of facility. So it's a sort of a Y-shaped building with different wings sticking out at, at unusual angles for it. It's like, I guess, two Ys put together end to end. What are they going for here? This is going to be, if it's going to be a DVC, is it some sort of moderate level DVC? What's the, have you heard anything about the the theming that they're looking to, to do? Anything like that? We are still relatively close to the Wilderness Lodge and Copper Creek and I'm blanking what the DVC the village. Buffalo Junction? Buffalo Junction. This is going to be that much closer to the actual Fort Wilderness. And so it's working the Venn diagram of they want this to be authentically rustic because people, again, they're going to Fort Wilderness and supposedly one of the big aspects of this DVC 
will be that there will at least be a miniature recreation of some elements of river country. Oh, really? But at the same time, you have to work the Venn diagram of it, it's got to be rustic. It's got to be a companion to Copper Creek and, and Buffalo Junction. And, and you have guests who are now expecting a certain level of amenities as part of their Disney World experience. And so to make this new hotel feature that level of amenity at the end of the connectivity the 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 flat screens the you know all of that sort of thing they are genuinely challenged dvcs at walt disney world are are like printing money oh yeah the occupancy rate of those rooms is is typically above 95 percent so you know 365 days a year so this is coming it's a challenging construction site they're going to be floating in a certain amount of equipment in fact there's going to be an impact on Boats going back and forth from Fort Wilderness over to the kingdom and thereabouts because of the pounding in the construction footings and and that sort of thing. But we'll see that get serious late fall of this year, more likely spring of 2019. But again, with the ticking clock of this has to be up and ready to receive guests for late fall 2020, no later than the winter spring of 2021. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Because the construction diagram that I saw, the building roughly looks like two Ys Mm -hmm. moved end to end. The -hmm. construction drawings that I saw indicated that one side would be built and I guess opened. And then the next side would be built and then opened. Does that make sense? This seems to be the Orlando business plan. In fact, the Endless Summer Resort that's under construction right now over at the Universal Orlando on the old Wet n' Wild site, that's the same game plan. Getting one side of the complex open, and then phase two is phase two A and phase two B, getting the second bigger unit up and running. I mean, again, this is all about trying to meet the need. When you think about, we have this Star Wars hotel that's supposed to get underway fairly soon, Never mind about the other interesting permits that have been pulled for Epcot, which I guess we're going to get to in a moment. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. So there are similar water drainage construction permits and I guess uh, temporary borings or initial exploratory borings for the area around the Epcot bus stop and around that area. So sort of like the front right side of the park if you're looking at the spaceship earth over by where the bus is let off Mm -hmm. what do you make of this we've already seen all of the construction that's going on on the other side of the parking lot for the guardians of the galaxy show building if you back up to this time last year we saw many of the similar sorts of permits being pulled for that side of the parking lot for major construction so if you're looking to do a hotel at Epcot, which for our 50th anniversary, a lot of our nighttime entertainment elements of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary are going to be at Epcot. To hear Bob Chapek talk, this is where he wants people to go for the 50th anniversary, not the kingdom. In fact, I think it speaks volumes that the theater project got pulled out of and shut down for the kingdom, whereas it's still full speed ahead for the new nighttime show for Epcot. So if you're going to have that many guests who are supposedly focusing on Epcot for the 50th anniversary, they're kind of Mm -hmm. hoping that a resort right at the doorstep would be very popular. Now, talking with folks at Glendale, they have really pushed back against this. 
because you think you're doing something unique, but you're not. If you look at the International Gateway for Epcot, it's not like there aren't hotels already around Epcot that are convenient. I mean, you go out that door and you've got Boardwalk Inn, Boardwalk Villas, you've got a yacht and beach club. And if you, yeah. you continue on Dolphin Swan, and you should probably factor in Caribbean and the Riviera. So that's six hotels? Yeah, I think we said that there'd be uh, somewhere around 10,000 hotel rooms mm-hmm. accessible either by walking or by Skyliner to Epcot once the Skyliner opens. So to build a hotel, the notion of where they want to build it, there's kind of a domino thing going on here. The thinking is that if you build the hotel on top of the old bus parking lot, this is an end of the Epcot parking lot that it would be relatively easy to shift the bus portion of the transportation. In fact, that's been one of the complaints about Epcot for years is that it's a hike from to bring the buses or people who are on the buses to the park. And it's especially a long walk at the end of the day. So you reconfigure the, your transportation up toward the front of the park. You have giant spans of this parking lot that only fill up during the holiday season. But again, they're mostly actually over toward where Guardians, the show building, is being built. You sort of reconfigure the parking lot so you're, you're feeding people in there and having them march by your brand new thrill ride and getting excited as they enter the park but then allows you to develop this hotel dining retail complex where the buses were formerly located. But again, there's a a lot of Imagineers who are like, this is really poorly thought out. They keep going, you have hotels, you have hotels right there. And to build one out front, Epcot doesn't have enough appeal to do this. It's like we're building the Riviera so it faces into the park and it's a wonderful restaurant at the top that allows people to to watch the fireworks where we're looking to build this hotel you're going to be able to see the tanks behind the living seas (laughs) you're not going to get that wonderful view based on the people i'm speaking with at flower street there's a belief in imagineering that this may be the bridge too far this may be the resort that nobody needs what they're going to build anyway. The thing that surprised me about the announcement, well, two things. Mm. One is that if you look at Disney's hotel occupancy numbers Mm. year over year, the Beach Club and Yacht Club are traditionally the least occupied of the resorts. They also happen to be two of the three closest hotels to Epcot. So proximity to Epcot isn't one of the reasons why people book a hotel. So why would you build a fourth? I don't honestly know what to tell you other than disney's been talking i mean look they've done this at disneyland paris you have the hotel that you can literally walk under and get into the magic kingdom you have the grand californian in the disneyland resort where you can walk out the back door and you're in dca right so i can see that right so if the hotel offers walk-in access to the park and it offers either amenities or the kinds of rooms that we don't see already in the boardwalk, yacht, or beach club, or their DVC additions, then I can see that. But Disney hasn't said what that would be. I mean, what what would we get in an Epcot hotel that we don't already have in the existing hotels? What's the value proposition to guests for this thing? I, I don't get that part. There are people in the company who are actually saying the exact same thing, Len. All right, fair enough. I mean, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for new, new hotel developments. But- same thing here, but Bob, Chapek's 
mission statement for Epcot. More relevant, more Disney, and this would factor into this hotel. I'm going to throw it out there now, Stark Enterprises Hotel. (laughs) That's my prediction. Now I would go. All right, let's take a break and think about that for a second, James. We'll come back. We're going to talk about some interesting photo pass rumors that we've, uh, we've heard about. So let's take a break and we will be right back with that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back. All right, Jim. So a couple episodes ago, we had talked about some interesting computer science papers that we had read from Disney Research. And these involved how Disney was going to manage stories and dialogue, possibly for Galaxy's Edge. So gameplay around Galaxy's Edge and how they're basically they were going to teach computers to talk as if they were Star Wars characters. After we ran that show, we got notes from people who are working on similar machine learning type projects within Disney. And uh, and I'd like to talk about one of them now because I think it's an interesting implication. You're familiar with the Disney's PhotoPest system? That I am. So you you go to a, a ride or you go to a character greeting and there's a photographer there who will take your picture with the characters or something that'll automatically take your picture while you're on the ride. So typically you walk up to a greeter the greer holds you until the characters are ready. They introduce you to the characters. You meet the characters. There's a, a separate photographer who'll take your picture in several different poses, and then you go on your way. So Disney apparently has been trying to train a computer to take the place of the PhotoPass photographers. Here's how the basic idea works. Obviously, Disney has every PhotoPass photo that's ever been taken. So they've fed these into a computer and they asked the computer to learn what a pose looks like with a character. So obviously when you're walking to a character, you're not posing until everyone turns around, does their silly pose and then stops for a second for the photo to be taken. So they've trained the computer to detect when people are moving and not to take photos then. But It also knows like when you're holding your arms out or when everyone is saying cheese, that that's the point at which it should take the photo. And a couple of remarkable things here. One, there's got to be hundreds of millions of PhotoPass photos, right, Jim? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I remember reading once that annually, I think 600 million photographs are taken at Walt Disney World every year. Okay, so there might be a billion photos. I mean, there might be low billions of photos. They've trained the computer, though, to figure out when you've all stopped your movement and when you're actually posing for your photo. So a, a computer or a machine will uh, will take this photo for you. From what we heard from our insider, 
these photos are actually of a higher quality than what the PhotoPass photographers themselves were able to get. They happen to be more crisp, more clear, more stable. And so better images, which would then result in more of those photos being sold, I guess. So Disney's winning in a couple of different ways here. Number one, if you teach a computer to do it, you can put those computers literally everywhere throughout the park, right? You don't have to pay people to do it. Number two. And number three, if the photos are of a high enough quality, that's also an improvement, right? So it costs less money. The photos look better and people buy more of them. It's a win-win-win for Disney there. Not necessarily that I disagree, but this started back in... Thanksgiving of 2004 is when Disney transitioned over from the Kodak train folks to Disney's own folks. And rather than getting in that line and going to the photo place and and determining which images you want, the notion is you go look at these online and decide where you're going to purchase them. There's at least one instance here where I don't know is the computer-based system is going to work. And that's the, when you enter the park and you encounter the the photo pass person who's there to do the icon photo. Oh, right. When you're on Main Street and in the distance is Cinderella Castle. Or the, the Tree of Life or the Chinese Theater. I mean, right. that one, you're still going to need a human being involved with. Now, with the character-based moments that they're talking about here, right now there's a head count of three per room. Two or three people per room, yeah. yeah. You have the the greeter, you know, grabs the family, holds them while the group in front of you is getting their photo taken. And then when they transition out, they literally introduce you to the character, get you set up, and the photographer steps in. So you have the greeter, the photographer, and then you have the person who's handling the exit and make sure that you have all the information. And Well, not only the information, but both the greeter and the post-greeting person mm-hmm. make sure that your camera is ready to begin there with. There we go and that you've put down your backpack so you don't hit the characters with your backpacks. Mm-hmm. And then you pick up all of that stuff when you're done, too. When they do their job, they're not just taking the one photo of you standing with the character. There's actually five separate images that Disney has tr- oh, trained yeah. them it's to a number get. Of photos, yeah. The character throwing open his arms, greeting thing, and the initial interaction, the final pose. And then there's, there's a goodbye. And all of these images are then sent off to the there's a human being who then reviews all of these photos that are taken looking for stray obscene gestures or inappropriate poses or or that sort of thing before they then are available on the official PhotoPass website that's the thing of this new machine learning this this artificial intelligence that the computer driven photography isn't just looking for the pose it's looking also for those storytelling moments, the arrival, the the interaction, the goodbye, the notion that one of the things of this machine learning was they reviewed all of the photos that have ever been sold at the Walt Disney World Resort and basically learned the poses that sell. Oh, right. That was the fascinating thing. Like what they were able to, they were able to not only look at the photos, but because they controlled the transaction, able to look at the ones that people bought. So they could have the computer prompt you to, in addition to whatever pose you do first, to try different other poses because they know that those poses sell better. When I say it that way, Jim, it sounds a little creepy. It does. <laughs> but, but I get it. I understand it, right? It's Here's the thing, right? If a computer suggests to you a mm-hmm. pose that it thinks you are more likely to buy and you like it enough that you actually buy it, is that coercion or is that just a good recommendation? 
are you being manipulated or or was that actually something that you considered valuable? I'm, I'm on the fence on that. I have to admit, I don't quite know what to think. I mean, my problem is I'm, I'm working the Venn diagram here of, you know, I was just down in Orlando last summer for the, the opening of the Summer House, the Frozen Ever After character interaction photography thing, which again, this is the state-of-the-art setup of the previous generation of, of character interaction. I mean, you've got the three different rooms, each of which have an Anna and Elsa in it, and, you know, the, along with wonderful background setup that people can step through relatively quickly and get these images, but it also has a, a lighting package that makes you, the guest, look great, you know, in addition to the characters. In the old TV series, when they had aging stars, they would use like a, a, a softer focus lens <laughs> on the aging stars so it didn't show the wrinkles. This it's, it's the equivalent of that, right? The joke is, you know, they make some stars look good. It had to shoot through burlap. <laughs> the fact that they have just done the most recent generation of these things. How far yeah. out are we from Fairy Tale Hall of, at New Fantasyland? And, and the notion of they're going to have to go back and, yeah. and redo all of these. I'm both fascinated and kind of horrified, really looking forward to, to what happens next here. And what, we're just going to keep a greeter? There's going to be one human being and the characters? Yeah, I think the implementation of it, like you know, like almost every technology, the implementation is going to be the, uh, the key. But if they can produce better photos and photos that, that people like more using the technology, I think it's an interesting application of that. So Jim, why don't we wrap up the show here? I will tease our listeners with this. In addition to that particular story, there are like a dozen other internal projects around artificial intelligence machine learning that Disney's working on that we will slowly uh, talk about over the next couple of shows. So uh, if you like this sort of thing, stay tuned and we'll mix it in with our uh, with our regular stories. How does that, that sound? That sounds great. I do have one final question though. Given how often you know you have the, the PhotoPass person there, but the family automatically hands them their phone to take the picture mm -hmm. who's going to hand the phone to the computer you know i didn't i didn't think of that maybe maybe no one is jim maybe that won't be an option mm, okay as len was just saying we have all sorts of ai machine learning based things coming to the resort to talk about there is some very cool and concerning things coming down the pike yeah there's some interesting projects coming up some of them are more uh, more far off than the others but uh, but some of them i think you'll probably see in the next few months oh, yeah, i think yeah We'll talk about them in upcoming shows. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously, as always, by Aaron Adams. Please go into iTunes or Stitcher or stare into the abyss of your local camera focus lens and tell us what you'd like to hear next on this show. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.